Hello. 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 Good afternoon. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Good. <laughs> Good thing I started listening to all my podcasts at double speed. <laughs> we should just slow everything down. It's been a big week. <laughs> Do you remember that uh, that great scene in uh, in Bugs Bunny where the he got exp- he got the ether? He's uh, Frankenstein's lab one with the big red monster, I think, and everything's in slow motion and they're oh, you remember that sequence? Is this the big red heart, fuzzy heart guy mm, with tennis yeah, shoes? Yeah. I loved him. He was inscrutable. Boy, what was that guy's deal? Bugs Bunny Ether. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, there's old Tumblr about it, apparently. Oh, is that right? <laughs> That's what it's there for. Yeah. Put it in notes. Put it in notes. I will adding it now. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, he's the scientist that has, like, the really big head and the pickaxe and the unibrow. Does that ring any uh, bells? I totally forgot about this. Scientist pickaxe. <laughs> you know. Yes, this is this is what the show could be about today. Uh, Unibrow. Yeah. Well, put it in notes. I will. Put it on the list. Good afternoon, Dan. How are you? I'm very well. I spent the last week preparing. We're going to do two and a half hours okay. on Apple's quarterly results. Uh-huh. Oh. What they mean, what they don't mean, mm-hmm. what they might mean, what they mean. <laughs> Tim Cook was on with uh, with Jim Cramer. Jim Cramer. Oh, that's the that's the guy with the sleeves. The yelling guy with the sleeves. The yelling up. guy with the sleeves. Sleeves up. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. How's but, that guy's track record? Yeah. How's his track record? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Never wrong. Never. He's, he's never. He's the Wikipedia of finance. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they have, you know, people, a lot of people have been transcribing what they said. And, you know, the shocking thing for me from from watching and also reading that uh, interview is that Tim Cook disagrees with uh, with Wall Street Hmm. about uh, Apple and what's going on with Apple. Who knew? Yeah, he didn't used to. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it is, you know. Yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I, mm, I, I don't want to say this, but I, I, I think I might find financial speculation about large companies even less interesting than sports. Just because I'm not an investor, I'm not an institution, I'm not any of those things. But, yeah, you know, I guess, I guess it affects us abstractly in terms of you know where they focus their resources, what they do, what they do well. But I don't know. It's just. Ah, it just, I don't know. It seems like, like having a, you know, a, a white supremacy forum somewhere. It's like, how is this going to turn out great? Well, we want to have a really neutral discussion of white supremacy without a lot of emotion. I don't know. I, uh, I, I get it, you know, but you know, Jason Snell said something uh, smart about this. Jason, uh, you know, reports on these things because he feels like he has to, but he said something smart, which is, well, you know, Hey, you know, Apple's a public company and companies are about growth and, you know, the value of Apple is built into the stock price at this point. And you kind of reset the count on how well things are going every time there's announcements because there's how much, how much growth. And when there's less growth, we're all us Apple fans, we Apple fans are more than happy to crow about how great Apple is when everything's coming up roses. But the tra- the fact is it's not, and it won't be. And it, it can, according to Jason and other people, 
you know, it's in part due to the crazy year they had in 2015. Yeah. But I don't know. I People love this stuff. It's it's so strange. I don't so much care to talk about it in the same way that I don't really care to talk about Apple anymore at all in general. Or what's, the, there to, what's there to say? There's nothing you know? to say. When You know, when I first started 5x5, 2009, yeah, 2009, most of the shows that I did, maybe with Back to Work as, as the big exception, were primarily Apple-focused shows or wound up being Apple-focused shows you know what i mean like it wasn't planned that way per se it's just that was that was kind of the big news and what was apple gonna do next with this brand new iphone thing that they had just come out with and i was very 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 interested in what was going on in the apple space and the related space but i had never wanted to like build build shows or build a network that was like based around apple and the you know i talked about it like so much every day and i finally just got to the point where i felt like on the one hand i felt like things had really stagnated where we're not seeing the kind of innovation and and stuff that i felt like we were seeing for a while and that's a natural it's not because apple's failing it's because we were really really pushed to the edge of what could be done and and i think we hit that edge and it's going to be a while before we see another big innovation from anyone mm-hmm. uh but uh, but i just kind of like lost interest in it's not interest not interesting the minute of <laughs> the you know like whether their shirts are tucked in or not on the stage yeah. and, and like, all the, just all the all the criminology about yeah, just, guessing Guessing, I mean, just blindly guessing about what things mean and then having an extremely strong opinion about what you guessed about. Right. It would be like, I don't know, it would be like doing coverage of like carnival games and like why the balloon pop with this dart, but not that one. It's like, well, it's so, it's also just so, it's so strange to me that like once this is a, I guess a classic Merlin-ish dumb thought, but I mean, how many industries exist in the world that we all kind of feel like we're an expert about? You know, uh, people I know feel like they know a lot or can guess a lot about Apple. They know or can guess a lot about various, you know, consumer technology and hardware companies, car companies, I guess. But like, would you follow coverage of like what's happening with deep freezers that you can buy at Best Buy? Like, would you would you cover like, you know, uh, that's about how interesting it is. That's about how interesting Apple is to me. Well, or, or, you know, like here's this new thing Honeywell's doing with switches. And I know that's very cynical because we use Apple products and love Apple products, but I, I would postulate that it is our strong feelings one way or another about what Apple's done in the past that makes us feel a little bit like experts about this stuff. We don't know. We're English majors. Right. Like who the hell are we to be guessing like why this is happening in this company? It's just so strange. And then we come up with all these reasons. We cobble together this little Gilligan's Island hut of logic about why, why we think the way we think. And it's, it's not any different than a, than a cold reading. I mean, it's, I don't know. And it's just, and then on top of that, it's also that, I don't know, I, I, this is the third rail. You can't talk about this, but I just don't think, I don't think Apple as a, I don't mean this to be like a Tim versus Steve thing or anything like that, but I don't think it's as interesting as a company from the outside as it used to be. In some ways, it's extremely interesting. Well, you can look at, okay, so let's say there are things that Apple does that are incredibly interesting. Building that big campus, what an interesting and ambitious idea and trying to make it, as we used to say, green. That's all very interesting. What Tim Cook and company has to say about trying to improve, uh, 
the world. Even if that means like just the fact that we've got a gay CEO at Apple. Oh my God. Who could have guessed that 10 right, years ago? Right, right. Right. That's, that's man. There's so much stuff about this. And he's a very competent guy. He seems like a very smart guy. There's all kinds of things that we would fit on the last page of the report about what's interesting about Apple. It's just that Apple makes a phone and then they make another phone they make an iPad and they make another iPad. They don't make a new Apple TV for a while and then they do. And it's mostly okay. And it's just, it, there's not that same sense. You know, and I, I don't blame this on Apple. Apple's a big company with a lot of people to please. It's just that like, uh, maybe it's me and being 49, but I'm just not sure what I'm looking for to make my life feel full from a technology company at this point. Well, hopefully the answer to that is, is nothing. You know, hopefully. Yeah, but that- be honest. Like, do you remember, like, did you ever have a Palm Pilot? Of course. I can tell you, I remember cobbling together the bucks at circa, what, 1997? When I bought the Palm, I think it was, it was called the Palm Pilot. It was, it was before... The Palm Motorola. Pilot, I think, was like, wasn't that the first one? And then they, the Palm, I feel like the Palm 3 was I owned, the big... I owned, I owned at least four Palm devices. So I had the original Palm, I had a Palm 3, I had a Palm 5. Believe it or not, I had a Palm 7. 5 the had the giant. little leather, leather billfold case on it. I had a Palm VX is the one that was to me like, I remember feeling like that was the top of the game. It just, it looked terrific. It did all kinds of great stuff. You get this cable with your little serial connector and you could sync your contacts and stuff. But the point was, it was revolutionary. I got great at graffiti. I used that thing constantly. And the day that I left it at the checkout at Publix, I thought I was going to die. I was so sad that I lost my Palm. Oh my God. But okay, so, and, and again, this is just, this is a little bit cynical, but like that was, that was a really revolutionary thing. And as imperfect as that thing was, and isn't everything imperfect, it really was revolutionary. And you could see, uh, you know, a little bit of the future in this device. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not saying this from any place of value. It's just that the enthusiasm uh, I think there's a lot of enthusiasm in Apple. For, there are great reasons to be enthusiastic about Apple in the last 15 years. Many, many, many reasons. There's a story that, you know, even by 2000 what? Even by 2006, 2007, even before the iPhone, we could see that Apple was not a company that was going to die on the vine. So right. it's still kind of funny that nine years later, everybody wants to talk about how Apple's dying, whatever. That's fine. But, you know, I, I didn't even find that schadenfreude all that... Uh, all that rewarding for all that long. I mean, how long do you want to feel great about schadenfreude and like making fun of like Gene Munster and, you know, uh, Rob, Rob Microsoft. Right. It's like, you know, okay. All right. But you know, I don't know. They're a company. I hope they do great. I hope they keep making good stuff, but it's, there's times when I start to feel like, and I, you know, this actually, I think might shade into our, what we're, some of what we're talking about this week where like you, when you think about sitting and staring at the page on Amazon and am I going to buy this thing? Am I going to get this thing? And like, let's say you've even got, got the dough to buy this and have it not hurt a lot. You still feel like, Oh, when this arrives, like there will be a solved problem. Like, <laughs> right. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll right. I'll feel better about myself. I will have more accurate, accurate, uh, teaspoon uh, measurements in my kitchen. I will get a better signal for my broadcast TV. Whatever it is, there's something that feels like a little bit of an answer, a little bit of a patch, a little bit of an existential band-aid for making you feel better. I don't mean this to be anti-consumer, but what I'm saying is like, you know, I don't want to go into one of my cliches, but I guess I just feel like all the reasons for enthusiasm are real. And I don't blame anybody for feeling strongly about Apple. I feel strongly about Apple, but I just, I personally and to an extent professionally just don't feel that same sense of obsession about what they're doing and then finding the angle on everything apple does that shows that everything's the way i'd like it to be or 
you know, rage quitting Apple because of reasons. I don't know. And I'm, I'm, I'm making a thousand straw men here, but uh, it's just, you see so much coverage of this stuff because it's what people want to read. It's what people will click on. But like, you know, I, I've always felt circumspect about making stuff. Take, take, the, take the example of the newspaper. Such a, such a strong example. The minute a newspaper comes out, it's the most important thing in the world. Three hours later, it's still kind of important. But 24 hours after a newspaper comes out, it's not that useful except for the coupons. And I'm always circumspect about how much stuff I want to create that won't make that much sense next week. And like, I'm not criticizing people who do that. That's what the news industry is. But like how much actual reporting is going on versus how much bluster and clickbait. And it just, I don't know, it starts to feel like a bad neighborhood after a while. And even like the people who are doing good work with it, you take somebody like, take somebody like Horace or especially take somebody like Ben Thompson. Mm. People are writing like really, really smart and thoughtful stuff, but they're not doing it as part of like this big system that's trying to, you know, put out opinion at scale. I don't know. So anyway, we've got two hours of that. We've got a lot to cover today. We've got to talk about iPads, declining growth, uh, China. <clears throat> a lot to talk about. How's it going? <laughs> it's going good. I think I've gone a little bit further than you, and I, I'm not sure if it's because... I think you're better than me. Eh, I'm worse. I think I'm worse off because <laughs> Merlin, I don't care whether I'm better. <laughs> well, because because I don't, and I don't know if it's because I was so immersed in it and because it was so much of what I thought about for so long, or if it's just that there are a lot of other things that seem more interesting and more important to me now. But it, I don't know. There, there was this feeling for so long with Apple. And I would say, even like you were saying before, even a little bit before the iPhone, but certainly after the iPhone, where you almost had this feeling like, what are these guys going to do next? Like, what is that next thing? Because they, they, right. they did the iPhone and like, then they did this iPad, which for me, I thought was pretty amazing. Like, look what they were doing with computers. You know, we had the the air come out. I mean, like all this great stuff that they were doing and you had the, what was a very dramatic story of Steve jobs and their CEO going on at the same time. Is he, is he sick? Is he not sick? I hope he's okay. He is okay. He's not okay. You know, mm -hmm. uh, for me with him being one of, one of my role models for a long time of somebody who's just able to shape the world the way he wants it to be for the most part. That was very interesting. You know, that was something that to me, like I cared about him as a human being and I cared about Apple through that. And it was it was the most interesting thing going on in technology. And I think still there is so much that Apple's doing that they are still at the forefront of what's interesting. But there are a whole lot of other things that are just as interesting and, and maybe in some cases more interesting to me, not because the storyline is, isn't there, if you will, but because I feel like there isn't as much of a storyline. And this is nothing to do with Steve Jobs. I'm just talking about the, the products and things that Apple's doing. Like you said, they well, make stuff, an iPhone, they make another iPhone. Like life, life changes, things happen, yeah. you know? And, and so like, as I, as I observe this, I find that like, there's less and less that's, and I just remember when there was going to be a product that was going to come out. That I just remember being like, oh my gosh, like what's it going to have? Even if I wasn't going to be getting the thing, go, oh, what, what is it going to have? What's it not going to have? And that kind of 
apple gazing kind of got really, really boring for me. And I thought your analogy to refrigerators, like when you're shopping for a new refrigerator, it becomes very, very interesting to you for a very, very short period of time. I think this is true anytime we're making making a big decision or making a purchase, especially one that involves a bunch of money. You know, like you go you go to buy a refrigerator, you want to research what kind of refrigeration technologies are out there right now. Which are the companies that are making the good ones that won't need to be repaired in three months? All of that, like our ice maker just broke in a refrigerator that's about five years old. That shouldn't have happened. But, you know, so it's like, we're not buying a new one, but man, maybe I should have done more research back then. But the point is like, if I was buying a new one now, that would definitely be on my list. Well, I want, I want to find one that won't have an ice maker that breaks after three to five years. So that's something I wanted, like would consumer reports have it? And I just, I find like, then you get the refrigerator and it's there and you're happy with it or not. And then you don't think about it again until that refrigerator needs to be replaced. That's a lot how I feel about things in the Apple space right now. There's nothing that Apple could come out with right now that would make me look at the current thing that I have and say, I need to get rid of that and replace it with the new thing. And I think both of us waiting to switch from the 5S to the, to the 6, 6S is a testament to that is in the past, the day that new phone came out, I, I had to have it. Not only because so many of my shows, like I was talking about it, but because I just, that, that was, it was an interesting thing. I wanted it. I wanted to see what it had. I wanted to see what it could do. And now I'm like, you know what? The thing that I have is pretty good and it works fine. And I'm looking forward to going and seeing new one in the store whenever I get an opportunity to do that. But it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I've got to get this new one. Yeah. And right now, with the exception of my MacBook, uh, the devices that I have are working well. And I'm not looking to replace them at all. So the, whereas before I was like, it doesn't matter what the thing is. If Apple makes it and it's new, of course I'm getting it. But I don't feel that way anymore. Now it's like, is it that much better than what they have now? Well, when they come out with it, I'll look at it and I'll see. But I'm not really thinking about it. I'm not reading Mac rumors sites to see if something new is, you know, well, what's the battery going to look like? Is it going to have a smart connector? Is it going to have a headphone jack or not? I can't tell. I don't care. I'm not getting it. And and like if something happens to this phone or after a year or so and it's, you know, seems like maybe it's time to consider replacing it, I'll, I'll worry about it then. That's a very different feeling for me about Apple. And that's only happened over the last few years. Don't you feel like it has like a slight ebb and flow to it, though? I mean, maybe depending on buzz, maybe depending on need, but also just depending on like, you know, just kind of what you're thinking about. And again, not so different from the refrigerator thing, but I find my enthusiasm ebbs and flows. But there's something I'm thinking about for some reason, like that 5S. I mean, yeah, there's stuff that I'm really grateful for on the 6S. But there's this part of me that feels like, you know, for what that device does, so, okay, I'm going to put this in context. I'm not saying there will never be giant improvements in technology. I'm not saying there will not be giant improvements in things like battery life and processing or what all the things. But like, to me, I almost feel like for what it is, the 5S is a phone that I could use for a pretty long time. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I, you have to bear in mind like what we don't know. What we don't know is what will come after that. That is not a quote unquote mobile phone mainly. Um, I'm thinking about, uh, I want to say, was it Microsoft Word 5? So Microsoft Word 5, whatever the one that was that came out in the early 90s that was replaced by that terrible version 
then installed all the extensions and made oh, everybody sad. Right. But you think about the improvements in word processing on a Mac in particular. And, you know, so what? You start with Mac Write. Uh, I was a big fan of Write Now. You had the Claris suite eventually. But Microsoft Word was the gorilla for a good reason. It was really, really good. And Microsoft Word 5 was like what we ran. Well, really, I guess that would be whatever that version of Office was, is what we ran our office on to a large extent. They were great Mac apps. So like, but Word 5 is where I spent so much of my day. I was in Word 5 or I was in a graphics program, initially mm-hmm. Canvas and later Freehand and Illustrator. But that's how I spent my day, Filemaker Pro, I guess, at a point. But, you know, doing stuff in, a, in litigation support, just a huge amount of stuff in Word 5. And I felt like eventually I got really good at it. I got all John Syracuse about it. I had the windows where I want them to be and I, it was all set up the way I wanted. And we had templates and eventually macros and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, okay, so future versions of that came along and it did more stuff. And I don't mean this in a snarky way, but there are, they added features to that over the next 25 years that did a lot more, I guess. Yeah. But there's this part of me that says like for the stuff for like 80 to 90% of what I would ever want word processing to do as a word processing thing (laughs) was doable in word five in an elegant way. And I don't feel like there's been that many versions that came after that were of any, of any, well, accepting the the move to Markdown, which is again, is a paradigmatic shift. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I almost feel like, I know this sounds nuts and I, I know it sounds like I'm being silly and cynical, but like the functionality, the speed, the everything of Word 5 was pretty much what I needed from a word processor in 1992. And it's mostly what I would need from something similar today. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about Microsoft Word. And then, of course, things did change. Like Markdown came along. And now there's these apps that are improving. But even with that, like we're not seeing the giant leaps and bounds with that. I'm mostly happy with drafts and editorial, occasionally IA Writer. But I'm not clamoring for improvements. There's nothing I can't do with those tools that I've got which is something I always have to keep in mind. The 5S, yes, the 6S is a better phone. It's a bigger phone. It's a uh, whatever. But like, there's this always this part of me that's thinking like, I wonder if that's as far for me as this thing needs to go. Um, we, you and I have been talking about Wi-Fi and like, God, this seems oh, yeah. like this area that's so ripe for disruption and there's all these people out there trying different things. So I'm not saying that things won't get better. I'm not th- saying things won't change, but I do feel like there's a point of maturity where for, for a given person, there's a piece of technology that mostly does what you need it to. And then you mostly look for stability in that thing. And then there's a shift, right? Then there's a giant shift. Like, so for a long time, I always bought like uh, Samsung phones because they were always great. Can't, the flip phones, I, would, I had a Nokia candy bar phone. Then I had a bunch of different Samsung flip phones. They were great. Each one got better, but each one did primarily what it needed to do. Right. Which was like, and it was easier call. to, it was kind of easier to say what it needed to do at that time. I, I, I agree. I did not play Snake on, on my phone. Uh, that, did not, that was not something I needed to do. It, it made and received calls just fine. And I thought about it not too much more than I would think about my wallet. Like eventually cameras came along. And then, but now we're talking about a transforming device because now I go back and I look at photos I took in 2003 and it's unbelievable. It, it, it looks like somebody stuck a, stuck a camera in a jar of Vaseline. It's wow. incredible. Yeah. But I'm not sure what my point on this is, but I think there there does come a time. I'm not a futurist. I'm not one of those pundity people. I'm just thinking that there is a point where like you reach a level of maturity. So when everybody laughs at VR or everybody laughs at making a car because that's silly, I guess. Well, ask yourself, how much more is there to do with a phone apart from making it cheaper at this point? And I'm sure there's lots of good reasons or lots of good answers to that. 
But my gut is that the phone as a thing is not going to be a giant growth thing for much anybody. Any Everybody who wants a phone and can afford one has one. Everybody who wants another one and can afford it gets one. But I mean, is the phone going to be the thing that people keep replacing every two years as a, as a phone per se? And I'm not sure. I don't no, know if that's going to be say the no. case. I'm going to say no. I don't, I think right now, yes, but I think down the road and, and maybe even the like pretty short term, probably not. Like, especially if it's $600 yeah. outright to see a giant improvement in something that not that many people need. I mean, again, where's the growth? The growth is going to be on the right side of that adoption curve with the people who haven't pulled the trigger on, in this case, an Apple product yet. And they're going to want something cheap and durable with, I mean, maybe I'm, I hope I'm not being um, reductive, but I think what most people want there is they want it inexpensive. They want it to be durable. They want it to have good battery life. They want it to be something that their, their kid can pee on and it'll still be fine. Yeah. And so I don't know. And that's why I say like, I'm, I'm becoming less and less cynical. I don't have a strong feeling about VR and cars. I don't, I don't ever want to own another car. I know we will. Uh, I personally, right now, I've never used VR. I'm not interested in VR. It still feels very much like a Jared Lanier Wire Magazine 1995 kind of thing. But I don't doubt for a second that that's one of the things that's coming next. Because we always laugh at the thing that seems silly and is never going to be, what are you going to use that for, for games? Well, yeah, everything's games and porn is how everything starts. Like, get over it. So I don't know. So, hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not uninterested in Apple. I'm not uninterested in their success. I want them to do great, but I don't share the enthusiasm for following the Kremlinology and balance sheets. And I, I mean, I, I don't think either of us are knocking the people that do for whom it's interesting, like good, because it's clearly, it's a living. yeah, it's, it's a good living. I, I just remember feeling that way. And then now I, I remember not, I now, now I'm not feeling that way. And it's I think you said it very well in in kind of your description of the the evolution of that kind of thinking, but I feel like at the same time like I know people who are really into their cars. They really or really into cars in general. They think about like they think about cars. And you know that like I never think about my car unless it's not working right. And I feel like more and more, that's how I want to feel about my phone or my computer is that, and hopefully they just keep working, but you know, like I don't, I don't want to think about my computer as anything but a tool that I use to make, to make stuff. And, and that, to me, shows an uh, such a tremendous evolution of the industry, whether it's the mobile industry, the i, you know, the 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 smartphone industry, the computer industry as a whole. You know, I mean, you and I were both around when having a computer in your house was incredibly rare and special, and if you were the person who knew how to like work that computer, you had a whole life and career ahead of you as an advantaged person in a unique position you know my son eight eight years old said oh dad because i've been talking to him he's he's getting into computer games now not just ipad games but actually like games on the computer and most of them still are for the pc or they're better supported on the pc and uh and on windows so we're actually i said well if we have to have a windows machine in the house then wouldn't it be fun to build it and i used oh, to boy. I used to run a business building building computers. I one, started of my, in, one of the people I follow on Twitter recently did that, and it was a mess. Well, 
You know, it's, but, you, but you know how to do that. You used to do it for a living. Yeah, I used to run a business. I started in. I started it actually in college and kind of ramped it up. And I was doing it full time. I was building PCs and servers uh, for people. And it's been a while since I built one, but it hasn't been that long. And you know, things have changed. So I've got a little bit of a learning curve. But I thought this would be a really fun opportunity for him to kind of learn, like, what is a computer? You know, like, what's inside of it? How does it work? How does it go together? Because his mind works that way. So he's very excited about that. And so he told me a day or two ago, he said, Dad, I, I want the computer that we, we might be building. Are we still doing that? I said, yeah, we can still do that. He said, well, I want that one that we're building to, to be uh, powerful enough to support an Oculus Rift. I'm like, how do you, you're eight. Like, how do you even know about this? But he knows about it. But, you know, like that, that world, that's much, much more interesting to me than is the new version of the iPhone going to be a little more water resistant and will it have a headphone jack? You know what? If I get one and it doesn't have a headphone jack, I'll get a thing that lets me use headphones with it. You know, like that, that'll happen. That just happens. It's not even worth really talking about. But where we're going with virtual reality and where the automotive industry as a whole, not cars specifically, th those kinds of things are interesting to me a, a little bit more, but I still don't know if they're interesting enough for me to want to like spend hours and hours reading about. And part of it is like, I don't know. I don't know why I, that has changed for me because for so many years, we're talking about more than a decade, that's all I wanted to talk about. And I, and I don't anymore. And that's weird. Yep. I ran across last thing on this because uh, now it's not even funny. It's been half an hour. Um, I ran across, somebody linked to this on Twitter yesterday and I went and looked at it on Plex just to make sure that it would load. I, and I ended up watching a few minutes of it. It's a 1990, 1990 documentary, a one hour documentary about cyberpunk. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. It says, so Cyberpunk is a 1990 documentary that explores the world that William Gibson invented with his book, Neuromancer. Um, what a fantastic book. The, the, bulk of the, the bulk of the documentary consists of interviews with Gibson, Jason Lanier, Jaron, Jaron Lanier, Timothy Leary, and Michael Synergy. Uh, a few industrial bands have their music featured as well. Um, I put it in show notes. Uh, this guy, Jim Leonard, cleaned up, uh, a, I guess, a VHS copy of this and put it up. And it's it's amazing because even though I only watched the first few minutes, I just wanted to, you know how you go and see like, did this work? I was just wanted to go see if I could watch it at some point because I didn't have an hour. But I watched the first few minutes of it and I was blown away simultaneously with how deeply 90s this thing is. Uh -huh. This, this, I mean, so much cyber everything and little panels with, you know, metal surfaces and beep boop and, you know, everything's going to be cyber. Uh, on the one hand, blown away by how incredibly early 90s this is. But also... Honestly, very surprised with how incredibly current it is to go back and look at this and see like what we were thinking about technology. Did you read Neuromancer? I, I know that I did, but I couldn't tell you a single thing about it. Oh, it's such a good book. Um, I read it, I guess, probably in the early 90s. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny to go back. It's one of those things like when you go back and watch the first episode of one of your favorite TV shows, and you're like, I can't believe all of this is in there. Right. It's where I think it's the... What's his, what was the term the case uses? Jack into cyberspace or whatever? Like that's where it comes from. That's where cyberspace <laughs> right. That's is right. cyberspace. coined. Yeah. It's all about taking speed and getting inside the computer and hacking the encryption and all the stuff that you see on CBS shows now. But uh, anyway, uh, a fun a fun thing to watch. Might be fun to show your kid uh, if you've approved it. But yeah, it's in show notes. It's called Cyberpunk, the documentary. That's cool. 
is really cool. It's really cool. But it's really, it's, it's really 90s, the 90s, it's almost the 80s, like the early Seinfeldish look. <laughs> right. You know, everybody, you know, but uh, William Gibson's got a big old head of hair on him. He looks great. Oh, man. Um, before we continue with our coverage of uh, Apple's quarterly earnings, did you want to tell me about something you like? Oh, sure. I would like to tell you this week about Audible. Audible's leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the internet. <sighs> 250,000 audio programs. And all of the big audiobook publishers use Audible as like their distribution point. So it doesn't really matter if you're like, oh, I wonder if this Harry Potter book is on there or if this kind of periodical, t- it's all there. Publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine stuff, newspaper publishers. I mean, you name it, it's there. They have a free app for every platform, iPhone, iPad, Android, Windows phone. You download and you listen on your device. Even Kindle Fire, they got stuff for that. 500 MP3 players are supported. And uh, you get chapter navigation, you get annotated bookmarks, you get this cool thing called sleep mode. One of my favorite features is the 30-second rewind, or what I call the, the toll booth feature. So you're, you're driving on the highway and you're, <laughs> you're playing it. You get up to the toll booth and you realize, oh man, I got to go through the little change thing. And then you, the guy in the thing's like, oh, how are you doing? I'm like, fine, here's the thing. And they give you the change back and you're like, oh man, I just missed the last 30 seconds of the thing. No problem. Boom, hit the little 30-second rewind button. You're right back where you were. Don't have to worry about pausing it. And they even have button-free mode. With Audible, you own all your books. Access to your books anytime, anywhere, from your smartphone, whatever. They even got Whisper Sync for voice. So if you switch, like if you get, if you have the same book on your Kindle or you're using a Kindle app, you can switch back and forth. So you read 10 pages of the book and then the next morning, now you're back in your car, you want to play it again. It knows where you left off. It syncs up with that, lets you play the audiobook from there. How cool is that? That's cool. So Audible, they have a, a, a thing for our listeners. Free 30-day trial membership. Free audiobook that you own forever. It's at audible.com slash B2W. That's our special URL. Audible.com slash B2W. 250,000 books. Download a, a, a free title. Start listening. That's all you got to do. And I picked one that I have just started reading. It's basically because this whole... Remember how we were talking about the Donald Trump thing and how he's like, we were talking about persuasion and the way that he talks and the different word choice. And right, like, right. that led me to start learning more about like, um, like uh, nonverbal communication, nonverbal behavior, and how like when somebody says like, um, oh, this is my best offer. That's the best I can do. You can actually see if they're being honest or not, if they're, hmm. if they're fibbing or if they're, you know, and the person's like, oh, I, I love that. Thank you. And like, you can, no, they didn't really like that. All of this is in this book. It's called What Everybody Is Saying. And it's written by uh, Joe Navarro, who's an ex-FBI guy who like can speed read people and like help you understand all this nonverbal stuff. Anyway, I put this into the show notes, what everybody is saying. Awesome book. I just started it. So uh, you can, that's, that's my, uh, my audible uh, pick. Well done. Um, do you want me to throw one in? Yeah. Have you got uh, one? Yeah. Well, I, as you know, I don't, I don't finish things. I don't finish books, but, <laughs> but one that I not only bought the heart, I bought the hardcover of this and then I realized I was never going to get it done. So, so I bought the audible book was um, the Alexander Hamilton book by Ron Chernow. 
the the book upon which the uh, multi Tony Award nominated show, yay, Lin Manuel Miranda, uh, is based. You can go and uh, get the Alexander Hamilton book from Audible. Um, and uh, I'm 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 just realizing that a bunch of spammers are on a side of mine, so I was distracted when you were talking. Uh, did you mention that you can use this with the Amazon Echo? I did not mention that. So uh, when your Echo's plugged in, you can say, you know, hey Dingus, uh, read me Alexander Hamilton. And any because you know Audible is uh, connected up with those Echo people, it will uh, it'll read you your book. So I've you know had The Martian read to me by my Echo. I've had Alexander Hamilton read to me by my Echo. It's a it's a real nice way to roll. So it 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 does it in the traditional Echo voice. Yeah, mine's not hooked up right now here at work, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, 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 well. I think I'm trying to remember. I have to. Or go does with- it is it the robot reading it, or is it the actual audiobook itself? I think it reads you the actual audiobook in the nice voice. There's nice. other things where it can read you. See, now you're going to make me feel like a dingus. Um, <laughs> so for Audible, yeah. And oh, the other one, The Rook. Oh, that's another great book, The Rook. That's, that's, that's a very good book. The Rook is Daniel O'Malley. Is that right? He's the one that wrote that? Sure. Oh, boy, The Rook is really good. That's good too. Anyway, audible, uh, audible.com slash B2W support the show. Go get a free month and a free book that you keep forever. Bye. Delicious.com is decadent and depraved. Delicious.com. I noticed this happened to Phil Tolan and now it's happening to me. What? Getting old? Spam is, hmm? Spam is, uh, Phil Tolan's a legend. He's the guy who does the crazy walls. He's the guy who does Samuel. Oh, that guy the smartest he's english and tall uh the spammers get into uh into the delicious and so uh i just had some spam going out but it's deleted thank you everyone fixed hello i'm merlin and i'm inscrutable we're back with hour three of our coverage of apple's quarterly earnings what would what okay before we oh jeez, dan really what let me ask you this because i know there's an answer every Mm -hmm. every Mm -hmm. man has a price Mm. what I hope you were stroking a cat when you said that. Uh, uh, with my little, my pinky up. Uh, E-cat. What, would, what could Apple do right now that would make you, what thing could they make or thing could they, that would make you like want to drop everything and, and go to the Apple store and buy that thing? Is there something out there? Is well, there a feature? I'm just curious. I'm just curious. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, the dependent clause is like all the stuff that I want is super boring and really about improving the stability and usability of existing stuff. And I don't even want to get into what those things would be, but you can guess there's lots of those things. Um, there's still a device I would like them to make. I'd be curious to see them make. And I've talked about it before, but I would be very interested in seeing them uh, move into the house with a device that could be any combination of these things. A really, a really cool airport style. Um, what would you call it? A router? What do you call that? And a, and a Wi-Fi yeah, access yeah. point. Yeah, wa- access point. Sure. Router is what you get from Comcast. What do you call the dingus? The uh, you know, but like like an airport. Like take like an airport. Have a, have a hard drive in there. Yes, that's really cool. Do time machine backups. I would also like to see them move into that um, some home automation and home. I guess tracking stuff. Uh-huh. I like to. I mean, like I don't know. I don't even know what you can connect to HomeKit. I don't even understand how you get to HomeKit. I, I've tried to figure it out. I don't have any devices that work with HomeKit. It just seems to be this thing out there in the world. But like, what if HomeKit became like the thing that lives inside what we used to call a router? 
Oh, sure, it's got a router. We'll throw that in. It's got a great router. You can have satellite routers with it. We make it easy to do that. I'd love to see them do that, be able to do things like whatever we end up calling time machine backups, all that stuff. It could be your home server for all the Plex style stuff you would like to do, right? Have that all reside in this device. But then also through a brilliant and widely supported standardized API, be able to deal with all the various dinguses that you would want around your house. So you can can observe things like temperature and humidity and air quality. You can you can track things like, you know, you can do home security and cameras and that it would be a hub for all of those things. It's just kind of surprising to me that that's not all in one device. I mean, a lot of people would say they want a game device. Uh, I just assume Apple stays clear of games. But that feels like one that they could really do. Uh, although it, it it doesn't... Maybe that's the old Apple to make something like that. You know what I mean? The new Apple... But with that said, the new Apple really is all about wireless connectivity. So, I mean, there's a lot that you could shunt over to that device. So what am I saying? I want it to be a router. I want it to be a hard drive. I want it to be a, a home hub. I think that would be a very interesting thing. But would would a lot of people buy that? Probably not. That's just that's just what I would get excited about. How about you? Well, I I mean, that's the kind of thing that is interesting to me too. And I think maybe you're shortchanging yourself or or downplaying how important something like that is because we have all these, you know, like people talk about like the internet of things and I don't necessarily want every device that I have to be connected to the internet. I don't need my refrigerator to show me the weather. But I and we've talked about before how important like when uh, Siri got really, really smart all of a sudden. And we talked about Hound and we talked about uh, the, you know, the Amazon Echo. I I feel like that. And then you get into the home automation aspect of where things are. Like you were saying with HomeKit, like I, I know one person who's really done, doing stuff with with home automation that's interesting but it has to be something that that my mom could do or that my brother-in-law could do not someone like me who's really geeky and who spends probably six hours a day writing ruby like that's me and so if i look at it and i think man that's kind of a pain regular people are not going to want to do that at all and we forget how nice it is to be able to control things with our voice because a lot of the time when I, I can't tell you how many times I'll have the telephone sitting there, I'll be ready, I'll getting ready in the morning and I'll say, hey, telephone, what time is it? Or hey, telephone. And it just, uh, it doesn't get it. It doesn't hear me. It doesn't understand. I have a much better results with the echo, but taking that to the next level and doing, having that kind of uh, smart personal awareness, I just don't think that that's going to come from Apple. But if, if Apple were to do something like the echo, if they were to come out with something, whether it's Siri in a box, whether it's uh, through the Apple TV, I don't really care what it is. But to right. have that concept of the thing that's always on, that yes, it does know about my alarm system and it does know about the temperature in the house and it does know who's home and who's not home. And it does know if my son's doing his homework somehow. You know what I mean? Like it mm-hmm. does know that there's a timer on the grill for the steaks, whatever it is, right. that thing uh that 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 it wouldn't need to be connected to every single device. I think having something that knows, that's the genius device. I think we're years away from it. But like, I don't want to ever worry about, oh, you know what? I, I left the light on downstairs. I got to go back down and turn the thing off now. No. Right. The thing that knows I'm upstairs going to bed could just turn that off without even asking me about it. Well, I kind of thought on that. 
Um, because I, I, I mean, if you think about the way almost everything in technology comes along, you think about like, wow, it must really seem like a triumph when you could buy this giant piece of furniture for your living room that had a television set and uh, a record player and a bar, like <laughs> all in this one piece of furniture. Well, you know, so you look at what, what do we got now? You got the Amazon Echo, which is uh, I would have to, I'm going to speculate, is the leading talk to something in your house device at this point and really unexpected surprise. But the first version of that is the lady who lives in a cylinder, right? That you, you go in and you go and interact with the lady in the cylinder. Right. You think of something, even think of something like Wemo or smart things or any of these other things. In most cases, you've got these devices that like augment a, an existing light plug. So you've got all these things that are a little bit ungainly they all have like this one specific kind of purpose i i think for this to work and i agree with you I, this is not the kind of thing apple would do the reason i want apple to do it is they could put the wood behind the arrow to make all these things work together by establishing and supporting some kind of what i will just call an api or whatever you want to call that system but it needs i think it needs like essentially three ish pieces it needs you need a hub a very very smart and very very fast hub ideally that you could like hook up you know, with uh, Ethernet and stuff like that or whatever. But the point is you would have a hub and stuff, a lot of the heavy lifting happens on the hub. I think the answer, the second part of that is then you need little, you need to be able to deploy a handful of types of smart devices. So the thing, I don't know, in my head, what I'm wondering is like, do you have you ever, have you gotten an Amazon Dash for anything yet? No, I have not. But you know, it's like the size of of a, yeah, I have three or four of them. For what, what? For which, what things? Paper towels, toilet paper, Mrs. Meyer spray. Point is, the, the idea though is whatever it is, think about something that's the size of a, a large-ish keychain even, something that's the size of a uh, security dongle for like getting you a two-factor code at your office. You know, something like that. Smaller than a beeper, right. but bigger than a typical keychain. And those are sensors. And those sensors could go lots of places around your house and gather different kinds of information. I think they'd have a mic built in. So in my, in my fantasy version of this, you have these things with either magnets or adhesive you can put or put or hang anywhere. And that becomes a way of gathering input. Whether that could be voice data. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? So you've got this system of like all of these little, little, uh, so you got the, the hive, the actual hive where the, the queen bee lives in over here that's the main device. And then you have all these little bees that you can just deploy all over the house wherever is sensible to right. you. You don't need a giant speaker. You don't need a big tube. You need a thing that gathers information about things like presence, light. Uh, is there someone speaking right now? Has it done the trigger word to make this thing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That would be the, the big second part. And I guess the, th- the third part is then you would need something like some of these electrical devices and stuff like that. That's kind of an unsolved problem. But things like, and also I guess in the third part would be things like speakers. Like what if you, Amazon has already started decoupling the speaking to and the listening to part. So you can now buy the two parts of an Echo separately, right? You can get the little disc that right. is just like a crappy speaker, but it does Echo stuff. What I'm saying is like, what? how far are we from getting to where there's little microphones around that we can just talk to? Little things that say, I mean, like there's a whole Shark Tank. Then last week's Shark Tank, there was a whole thing about this company that uh, Robert, invested in that just has these smart vents for your house that open and close. It's like, and they have an app and you're like, Oh man, is that really like, that seems like so 1970s to me. What do the smart vents do? Well, like the first for your thing air was, conditioning? uh, yeah, right. It'll change. So like, you know, it basically you have sensors in your house that are saying like, what room is hot? What room is cold? So if nobody's in this room for a while, like slightly close the vents. So we're not pushing too much heat into there. <laughs> 
it's a smart idea, but I mean, if you've got these sensors around, and again, this is just pie in the sky, but I'm very interested in that idea, like having all these sensors all over the place that can do all kinds of things. And, and, and then now alongside things like client things, like, you know, in the case of my canary, my canary knows whether I'm home and the canary shuts off the camera when anybody from our family is at home. It does that with an app. Right. So that, that makes sense. But you know, it's, um, this is not interesting. I'm sorry. But uh, no, it is. It is interesting. But but breaking these off into pieces, but somebody needs to have that hub that's more than just something that's going to get EOL'd when it gets acquired in six months. Nobody's, people, are, I suspect that even nerds are going to get antsy about investing in home automation, home hub stuff, as long as stuff like the what Resolve or whatever, Revolve, as long as that's going around. You know where this company got acquired that was like the preeminent hub for hubs. Mm-hmm. And the company said, oh, by the way, we're just shutting that down in a few months. You know, like, you know, I'd be really bummed. Now, like you mentioned last week, Wythings has been acquired by Nokia. Well, I have a new-ish Wythings scale. Yeah. Well, well, who knows what's going to happen with that? I'm not particularly worried about it because I imagine you don't buy a company like that to screw up. It is already probably doing pretty well. But, you know, well, this as is long the as first these... time, this is the first age that we've been in where you can buy something and if the parent company goes out of business or gets acquired or shuts down, that that thing that you bought will no longer will just could potentially just stop working right your your toothbrush does not require a login right and so it doesn't require anything, a parent company in order to to still you know work when you when you, you put think, the toothpaste on you as a consumer think of it as being like a lamp where as long as i have electricity and light bulbs this thing should work but that's not actually the case this is a device that's based on you know uh wi-fi and data centers and yeah, stuff like that yeah. it may not seem like that but Anyway, um, and, and again, I think, I think we need to, now I sound like one of those futurists I always make fun of, but we need to broaden our expectations. Like we're always looking at like, oh, how does this do the thing that we expected in the past? Well, let's stop thinking about it that way. Instead, thinking about how this little like neural net in your house could help improve a lot of things about how you, and in the same way that I want my phone to tell me when I should be exercising more, if it's not obvious or where it would be trivially easy to exercise in a place where uh, you, don't, you don't have something to do for an hour and you need to go pick up stuff at this store and you haven't walked in a while and, 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 you know, therefore, I want you to take a walk. I like my house to be smarter like that too. Um, so, I mean, like having those sensors around and decoupling it from needing, like <laughs> the whole idea of like a Wi-Fi scale per se might seem pretty silly soon. Do you know what I mean? In the same way as like, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of the devices from the past that always required like this big thing and then another big thing. And in this case, I'm just imagining a more lightweight system where you have so much of the smarts is in this big piece of hardware that's running increasingly updated software. So like with Echo, I get an email every Friday from Amazon that says, oh, by the way, here's like three to 12 new things your Amazon Echo does this week. And it really is. It's sometimes small things. But it's frequently very, very surprising and amazing things. Like it'll just go, oh, you know, by the way, this does this thing now. You can add things to Google Calendar from here. You can do this. It'll, and it, because the software is so open and updated constantly. So that smarts has to go. You need more lightweight, not clients, but dinguses to be around the place. And then you need the software to be smart and understand in a more fuzzy way what relationships mean. I don't want to have to think about that stuff. No, I'm with you on that too. I think that anything that takes that, have to think about part you know like my wife every saturday morning she'll sit down and she'll be like all right i gotta do the grocery list and i gotta go grocery shopping and she works on this list you know and it changes every week it's not like we can just buy the same amount of everything every single week it's always uh, it's always a little bit different 
And I feel like some that that's a that's one of these things everybody has as as a problem. And being able to say, oh, you know what? Just use the last paper towel roll. You can go and hit a little button, right? To 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 put that to essentially order that for yourself. Having that kind of that kind of capability, that kind of intelligence so that you can you can add something to a list or so that your kids can do that too. I, all of that that makes well, without because, requiring without requiring a dedicated device. Right. I, I really I feel like, you know, with all respect to the Samsung's of the world or the LTs or whatever, you know, LG, I guess. Like I I think the idea of like a smart refrigerator as we conceive it right now should seem silly in the next five years. I mean, like, is a, it's just so weird to have all the electronics like baked into this device that's, that's slowly becoming obsolescent in its way. It's so, it just seems so weird. My, my goal for all of these kinds of things is to eventually get to being like 110 power. 110 power. You've got a little plug with two pig faces on it. You can put anything in there as long as it's rated and will work. Right. You don't need a certain kind of energy for Christmas lights right. and a different kind of energy for, for uh, doing your finals. Right. Like that's all just energy and everything works with that. That's what I'm looking for. So no, I don't want to go to Target and go to the house of the future and buy like a smart paper towel dispenser. I, I think that's what we're looking for is to have fewer of those things eventually because everybody wants to own that space. Everybody's coming up with their own proprietary stuff. And they'll, yeah, maybe they'll let you do some IFTTT, but IFTTT ain't that smart. It doesn't have conditionals. It's basically, did this thing happen or not? Is this a zero or a one? So that's why I say Apple there, because everybody, for the most part, has or wants a house and they want it to uh, to work better for them. And nobody wants to buy a Samsung. Well, I'm sure there are people who want to buy a Samsung refrigerator. I don't. And like right now, the idea of like having to go out and buy these, you know, a bespoke refrigerator or this special kind of thing for holding your eggs. I just wonder how long we are until like that kind of stuff gets easier to deploy right. with much more lightweight devices. Yeah. And who do you think is going to be the leader in that space? Do you think it's going to be Apple? Is it going to be Amazon? Is it going to be Google? You know, if you look at track records, it's probably not going to be Apple. Well, look at the, look at your car. Like who, when we rent a car and like last time we rented just, I think it was a special or something. We rented a BMW just cause it wasn't that expensive. And we thought, Oh, let's go a little fancy. What a crap show it was to use that screen. It's not any better than any screen in a car that I've seen anywhere else. It seems like everybody, there's a race to the bottom in the crappiness where everybody knows, okay, you got to have a USB port. You got to have this, you got to that, you got to have this dumb screen. And it's like pulling teeth to use those things. So to get a new screen, what do you do? You buy a new car? That's like needing to buy a new yeah, wallet you know, every time you, you spend you all your you're money. Buying, you buy a new car. Well, that's what the com- those companies want you to do because they're not in the smart display business and they're not in the Internet of Things business. They're in the car business. So they're slapping on a beetle wig and saying, hey, let's all, let's all go twist and shout. And so, you know, but that's not, that's not where the high quality work is going to come through right now. I don't know. I don't know. We haven't talked about our fitness dinguses, and now we've talked about all this home stuff. Yeah, we can talk about those. <sighs> anyway, quarterly results. <laughs> do uh, you do 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 do? You have one more sponsor. Yeah. Did you want to tell me about it? Sure. Yeah. It's one you know about. Yeah, tell me about it. Squarespace. Squarespace. Thank you, Squarespace. <laughs> the you know they keep innovating. We talk about companies that innovate, and I think Squarespace is really really changed the way i think and probably a lot of other folks too but it changed the way i think about 
making websites, people will ask me, like, I'll be walking down the street, you know, I'm like, look, you know, like, I'm just trying to enjoy some time with my kids, you know, leave me alone. They're like, but Dan, where do I go to make a website? Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, like it's Sunday, it's Sunday afternoon. We want to go get some comics. He's like, cool. I'm, go get your comics. But first, just what's the URL for Squarespace? It's squarespace.com slash back to work to support the show. One problem is though, you need a credit card to get a trial, right? You do not. Wait a minute. You serious? I'm totally serious. Huh? But you can't get, you can't get, you can't get a store on there. You can get a store, you can sell stuff. And okay, what about, what about a single page website? Can you get a single page cover yes, page? Yes, they have a, like a landing page thing, so you can do that. But their, their support is, it's probably not 24 by 7, it's, it's probably 24 like six, 7. 6 by 3. 24 6 by 3, 7. 2 by 4. 24-7? 24-7. It's crazy. Sure about that? Yes. What if I like to use uh, the, you know, a text and email? Is that something I can do? Of course you can do. You can do whatever you want to do. What if I only want to talk to people in Ireland? Then only speak uh, Gaelic. Mm. Mazel tov. <laughs> you sure? You sure? You sure? You don't need a credit card for this? You know, you don't need a credit card for it. You can what if sign I'm a developer, up. I want to get my hands on the code. What you am can I get do? your hands on it. You can do that. That that is one of their more advanced features that they they do support. So if you want to like write your own code, they have basic stuff. Like if you have your own, let's say you're working with some kind of like tracking system, and it says, "Oh, insert this into the header or the footer of your page." You can do that very, very, very easily. But if you're like uh, like a coding, like a guru, and you okay. want to just rip this thing apart, get into the internals, as mm. we call it, you mm. can get you can get your hands on the internals. Okay, but let's say you're a tech person, you're not a creative person, the mm. templates do not look professionally designed, right? No, they actually do. You're kidding me. No, so if you... It, let's you just... want to be responsive, do you have to load Node.js? <laughs> no. You're kidding me. Not kidding. You're telling me I can look at these on devices and it'll look good on different devices? Yes. But it requires a credit card for the trial, it right? It does not. There's no way to get started today, is there? You can, and you even get a free domain if you sign up for a year. The URL to support this show is squarespace.com slash back to work. When you're there... What if I only want to spend $8 a month? Is there any account that could suit me? (laughs) Yes. Come on! There is, but you have to use the code, it's your show, and you'll get 10% off your first purchase, which will make it 8 bucks. It's your show, one word. I'm skeptical. I am skeptical. Go try it out. Go try it. I'm on uh, three of the podcasts that I'm on this week are supported uh, by our friends at Squarespace. And so it's three times. So I'm going to say something. This is the week when I say that thing that I say sometimes, which is this. I sound like Pert Happily. Um, the next sentence that I say is this. Uh, <laughs> you know, here's the thing. I know you've heard these ads almost as much as I had. And you're going like, oh, Squarespace. Yeah, that's the thing I've heard about. Here's what I want you to remember. Remember this. Even if Squarespace is not right for you, bear in mind, there's a very, very good chance that it is right for someone in your life. I want you to make your life easier. I want you to start listening for when people go, eh, I'm confused, Facebook is dumb, what do I do? And your friends come to you and say, look, you don't even need a credit card to get this trial. You go and you set up, your, what am I talking about here? I'm talking about your family members. Let's talk about something important. I'm talking talk about, about something members. important. I'm talking about your family members. I'm talking about church groups, community groups, schools. Me having to deal with my daughter's preschool because I'm the tech guy, dealing with their website involved trying to find the guy who had the password for, it wasn't even WordPress. I mean, nothing is WordPress, but it was some kind of like homegrown, like, you know, uh, a CMS thing that these people had and you had to go in with the shell and like everybody there, their eyes were like saucers. And it's like today, there is no question in my mind. I would say like, you know what? Have volunteers go grab all of the content off those pages, save it into Microsoft Word just for, just for you know, for the future. 
Build yourself a beautiful site from scratch. Starting at $8 a month, do not, you do not want to be in the webmaster business. You want to hire a brilliant company who is already in the webmaster business. This is safe. This is secure. It's your show. Go check Square it out. Space. Squarespace. 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 Quiet, you. What every body says. What every body says. Says, what's that mean? It's that book. What? It's that book I recommended. Oh, what yeah. every body says. Saying everyone, it's a good book. Hmm. hmm. I started listening um, to the Freakonomics Radio uh, podcast. Turns out they had a really good one this week. Uh, it was probably about game theory and comparing uh, King Solomon to uh, David Lee Roth. It was really good. Really, really. Yeah, and they told the real story. I've heard the real story, but there was a great, well, the real story behind the brown M&Ms. Do you know the real story behind the brown M&Ms? Yes, I do. Okay. They but I, want, I would like for you to tell it. Well, I don't like to spoil it, but like everybody, since we were very young, even before the internet, everybody knew Van Halen was this crazy partying band who was really capricious, and they were total rock stars. And one of the ways you could tell they were total rock stars was that they had a rider dude, okay, in their contract, which was no brown M&Ms in the bowl. Isn't that crazy? They're so, they're so selfish. Now, I, you know, many people know this now, but the, the reason that they did that was that next to the band Kiss, they had the most complicated setup for their stage show of anybody who was currently touring. And they had to rely very heavily on local people to do things, I guess, with the rigging and the lights and all of this stuff. And they'd run into all of these situations where the crew had just basically ignored everything that they'd said about how to prepare. It was not only uh, having an impact on the show, it was potentially very unsafe. And so they started introducing odd things into various different parts of their rider. So why did they do that? Why did they say no brown M&Ms? Because if they walked into their dressing room and there was just an unopened bag of M&Ms, you know what that meant? That meant somebody was not reading the rider. Right. So it became a way, and then they could, you know, kind of correlate that with all the different things that didn't get read in the rider and go, go up to them and say, Hey, look, you didn't do a bunch of the stuff in our rider. Did somebody read this? Are you really ready to do this gig? So it was actually like a weirdly professional thing to do. Turns out. That's, I mean, that's something that it, yeah, I try to think about this in terms of like real life for non rock stars because that's such it's it seems like such an important valuable story but how do you like apply that to your own life you know what i mean right um i don't know because i mean you wouldn't want to in terms of like you wouldn't want to be too on the nose about stuff like that and things like contracts and things like that but you know, I mean, I guess a, a corollary to that is like when you have a friend who like gets you a gift because they remembered something you said this one time. And that's like, that's, that's a sign of a nice person. That's somebody who's really listening. I'm not sure what the exact uh, corollary is. It's about the uh, comparison with uh, King Solomon cutting the baby in half. It has examples of game theory. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's a good show. Also, there's an article I thought I put into notes and now I can't find it. It is the most turns out turns out thing that i have ever read and it kind of i had to read it like twice because it kind of made my head hurt it was on 538 it's an article called who will debunk the debunkers oh (laughs) and it's great i'll put it in notes for this episode it's basically about 
uh, you know, the turns out thing. You've got something that becomes this sort of conventional wisdom that everybody knows about. But then there is the contravention of the conventional wisdom. And someone says, ah, actually turns out that, that this is not what happened. Hmm. And like being able to separate uh, the wheat from the chaff. Very interesting Talking about uh, Popeye, why Popeye eats spinach, and how that story's been mangled over the well, years. How, okay, well, I, now I got to hear that one. Well, you should read it. Uh, but the story, the, the, so the thing was spinach. Oh, God. See, I don't no, want to hear it. You want me to just read it to you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Popeye loved his leafy greens and used them to obtain his super strength because the cartoon characters knew that spinach had a lot of iron. Indeed, the character would be a major evangelist for spinach. It's, uh, da, 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 da. But the fact about the iron content of spinach was already on the verge of being obsolete. In 1937, scientists realized that the original measurement of iron in 100 grams of spinach, being 35 milligrams, was off by a factor of 10, right? Turns out that's because a German chemist uh, had misplaced a decimal point, et cetera, et cetera. Um... You go down a little further. This is a thing that people were talking about for years and years. Cut down further. All these tellings and retellings miss one important fact. The story of the spinach myth is itself apocryphal. Turns out. It's true that spinach isn't really all that useful as a source of iron. And it's true that people used to think it was, but all the rest is false. No one moved a decimal point in 1870. No mistaken data. Data entry spurred Popeye to devote himself to spinach. No misguided rules of eating were implemented by the sailor strip. The story of the decimal point manages to recapitulate the very error that it means to highlight a fake fact repeated so often it takes on the sheen of truth. Wow. So now I'm waiting to find out that, uh, that uh, you know, because there's the whole like, you know, oh, this, uh, you know, NASA made a pen at a cost of millions of dollars. You know what the Russians did? They brought a pencil. <laughs> right? Remember that one? Yeah. Okay, and then of course people like me go, well, actually, turns out people had the idea of taking a pencil into space, but if the lead breaks off a pencil or you sharpen it and the stuff starts flying around, it's going to screw up a lot of extremely sensitive equipment. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's, if memory serves, the development of the space pen was actually funded by the guy at the company that made the space pen. Turns out, I don't know. But who will debunk the debunkers is my question. Dan, for people who want to follow these important issues, uh, if you can say in as much as you are comfortable saying, in as much as you're able to say, mm-hmm. where would people find uh, show notes for episode two, diggity 70 of your back to work program? 5by5.tv slash B2W slash 270. B as in walrus, two as in insecticide. Yes. W as in books. That's it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's an hour right there. Yeah, it's done. We're done. Okay, I got some follow-up. All right. Before we get started. Uh, first of all, uh, I want to uh, promote a program that I do that I'd like you all to listen to. It's a show I do with John Syracuse called Reconcilable Differences. And uh, I like it a lot, and I hope you all listen to it. It's a show that's put out every two weeks. Uh, it's got a small, but I think fairly loyal following, mostly people who like John and can tolerate me. Um, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. Y'all need to listen to this week's episode. Go, go to the page. Subscribe to the podcast. This is the week that we talk about drugs. Oh, and it's epic. Good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's over three hours long. So that's something that y'all need to go listen to. So uh, yeah, please listen to Reconcilable Differences. It's a really good show. I want to promote that. Now, I see two major forks in the road right here. We can either talk about your your twist, your turns out, yeah, your, story, sure. your Fitbit, sure. or we can do tons of feedback. Tons from- of feedback. And then we'll get to that. Tons of feedback. Okay. Or tons of feedback and we can do, we could do that next week. Mm. All right. Let's see. Well, let's see where we are. This is, this is lots of little odds and sods from people. 
Listener Matthew wrote in to say that when he went to the doctor, this is, this is referring to how, um, how accurate the heartbeat stuff on the Fitbit and the Apple Watch are. Uh, I don't have his email in front of me, but uh, Listener Matthew said that when he went into the doctor, they went and they took his pulse and he tracked it against his watch. And it was actually, his Fitbit HR was pretty much in lockstep. That it was actually extremely accurate. So I don't know if that varies. Maybe athletes, maybe it's a sweat thing. A so here's, thing. here's what I did. I, yeah. I wanted to follow up with this. So I was in the gym and I went to the, my trainer, who's, she's a co-owner. And, and, and also the one who said. And the one who said, they're not that accurate. And I said, you know, I was just, uh, I talked about them not being not that accurate on the show. And we got a bunch of feedback from people who said, not only are they kind of accurate, they're incredibly accurate. And I actually described to her the person who wrote in and said, I was hooked up to a pulse monitor EKG machine and they were in lockstep with one another and all of that. And she said, yes. She said, if if you're in those kinds of conditions, they will typically be uh, very accurate. She says, but what, what we as trainers are looking for or what athletes are trying to measure that's a little bit different are you want to get in your uh, VO2 max zone, which has to do with something about oxygen absorption that I don't even care about. and Oxygen volume. Sure, right? sure. <laughs> and... Uh, and and so in in order to get into that zone, that's where you're burning really good. That's where you do all the things that your body should be doing, whatever. I don't care. So apparently, as you were exercising, if you were to start working at a slightly higher degree of intensity, if you were perhaps running or if you were doing something that required, you know, your your heart to work a little bit harder, that those changes happen, but that they can happen quickly and in in subtle ways and if you're wanting to monitor that perfectly like down to you know one heartbeat or whatever it is that if you're like in training and you're saying you know what you need to run just a tiny 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 little bit faster or slower or work a little oh, bit harder or like that, the window window for accurately like when this happens this kind of thing happens i need to know exactly what causes that that's right and and you need to know and you need to make perhaps you're trying to maintain that state for a certain period of time that mm. uh, that being slightly up apparently the apple watch and the fitbit and and some of the more generic ones uh they don't track those changes as quickly and so if you're trying to be in whatever that zone is, that you might not detect that that fast, but that if you're sitting calmly with a thing hooked up and you're just <laughs> sitting there resting and your heart rate's consistent, then, then yes, in that situation, highly accurate. But in a situation of, of extreme, uh, it. they are not as accurate. Now, again, take this with a grain of salt. She's talking about like, milliseconds and seconds where which for regular humans probably don't matter <laughs> especially if you're mainly tracking <laughs> right like your heartbeat when you sit very very still. <laughs> right right while you're hooked up to the ekg machine <laughs> i'm learning a lot about my torpor <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i've got some interesting insights into my lack of motivation <laughs> apparently i rarely move <laughs> sloth and torpor like they say like gil said one of the one of the great double acts. Mm -hmm. um, so that's uh, thank you, listener Matthew, for that. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, sloth and torpor. Da -da 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 -da. They couldn't be here tonight. They're just too. It's one of the sleepy. five hindrances, man. 
Huh? This is where the five hindrances. Oh, the five hindrances. I, I saw those guys open for the animals in 1967. <laughs> yeah. One, two, three, four. Oh. Five hindrances. You remember them? The Mersey beat sound? Yes. Right. They got the, you got the four objections. Oh, yes. Oh, the six, uh, you got the 11 herbs and spices. Do you remember them? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's all tenets of Buddhism and rock. Yeah. Sloth so, torpor. Moving on. Page two. Uh, talking more about ADAP. ADAP. Uh, my opinion on ADAP has, um, has evolved in the last week. So you'll, you'll even, if you go back and listen to last week's episode, you'll hear me kind of dithering a little bit with ADAP. Why did I love ADAP? ADAP is a thing where you, you get this app and you flip it on and it says, okay, check back in 24 hours and we're going to give you insight about all the things to which you have hooked us up. And you could even hear me like struggling to get to the couple uh, insights that were very interesting. And a couple of the insights were very interesting. There were insights. So basically this app pushes you two bits of insight per day, right? I'm um, getting my phone here. So this insight like, hey, guess what? Turns out that you sleep better when you walk a lot. And so, so my brain said, hmm, that seems very sensible. There's a whatever, 65% correlation between how much you walk and how much you sleep. That's really cool. Another one at a certain point was... Um, you sleep, you have better, longer sleep when your step count is high. And I said, well, that's, that makes sense too. Thing is, one thing is, there's a whole bunch of these that I had to skip over that are not that insightful, given that it's an app about insight. So I'll read you a few of these. May I? Of course, I would love that. Uh, on days that you exercise, you work out for an average of 33 minutes. That seems more like kind of an observation that I could get. That's fine. That's mm -hmm. fine. Um, here's one. You only get two of these a day, right? Good job. You've upped your activity distance. Okay. Uh, you are in the top 19% of ad app users for total sleep. We're so proud. You've tracked your weight for five days in a row. Um, data shows relationships, uh, climb an average of 24 floors a day. Boom. You have increased your step count. Nice. Uh, okay. So here's the thing though. I mean, and a lot of these are just like, I want more than this. That's like, I don't know what I'm not sure it's, it's so, so by itself, you go, okay, that's kind of weird. You sign up for this thing and it pushes you this, this observation and a link to a blog post twice a day. Um, so, okay. It's not super interesting. I think this is, like I said last week, I think this is the kind of app that somebody could take a concept like this and make it really, really dynamite. But also, and I, forgive me, I have not done my own due diligence on this. I got a toot from listener Rob who had some concerns about the creepiness of the terms of service and having right. some trouble un did you notice this un tr trouble uncoupling it from uh, health and stuff like that so i haven't gone in and read but i would say uh, uh look carefully at app to whether it's it's what you want maybe go read the terms i have not but you know i, I will continue to say that an app like what i what this kind of does but doing more of what i really want it to do i want to see more like i want to see crazy stuff I wanted to say stuff like, if I, if, like, let's say that I am tracking food. It can say stuff like, you know, when you uh, eat more gluten, uh, you walk less. Or like when, when you're stressed out, you drive more. You know what I mean? These are the kinds of things that I'm looking for. So if somebody go make that app, head up. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that kind of thing exists. You know what jaundiced I mean? Jaundiced eye. Look at it with a jaund jaundiced eye. Jaundiced That's, eye. Yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, no, uh, Max, Max Temkin was using it. He's like, uh, yeah, so far these... <laughs> These insights aren't all that insightful. Another one that I mentioned last week uh, that I'm still interested in, 
um, I still have the same concerns with uh, this app called Human. Now, Human is really great. It runs in the background on your phone and it it does all kinds of great tracking for movement. So the, the upside of this is that on the one hand, it, the upside is, yeah, it runs all the time. Uh, other upside is it gives you what I'm calling credit for sort of micro workouts. Like if you've walked for two minutes, that counts towards your workouts. Hakuna Matata, right? Yep. Um, the thing is, it does, one thing I'm pretty positive about, let me go ahead and double check on my battery. It is pretty gosh dang diggity hard on the battery. And I'm going to go in and verify that at this point. I don't open this app up and look at it more than increasingly once a day. So here's my usage last seven days. You ready for this? Yeah, hit me. Okay, so it's my number four app in usage. Nice. Um, <laughs> so like Overcast. What's number are, one? Well, Overcast, I mean, I just listen to podcasts all day. Overcast is 1.4 hours on screen, 21.3 hours in background, which totally makes sense because that's I run it like constantly. In the last seven days, that's around 21 hours. Twitter, 4.6 hours on screen, 1.4 hours in the background, all copacetic. Safari, 2.1 hours on screen. Human, in the last seven days, 19 minutes on screen, 62.1 hours in background. Whoa. Yeah. So in the end, it's only 6% of my usage in the last seven days of battery usage. But remember, that's only looking at it for a total of 19 minutes. That 62% in the background uh, took out a fair amount of battery life. Another thing, I have no way to know whether this is human, but I will tell you this. Now that I've got all these apps on here, my LTE usage has gone through the freaking roof since I started using these apps. Something that happened several times, I went over my whatever our 10 gigs or whatever it is shared plan. I cannot believe I get a text from AT&T that says you're about to go over your plan. Boom, you've gone over your plan. Mm. Later in the day, boom, you're at 75%. Boom, you've gone over again. Oh, man. Sometimes on a given errand, I'm using a gig of data. Wow. And I have no idea where that's coming What's from. What's going on? Yeah, I know. I know. It's like I haven't figured... <laughs> My God. But, I mean, but I'm inclined to say that it must be pushed. Something's pushing something somewhere. Seriously? Yeah. It's time to what get are you recording like HD quality video all, while you're walking around? Oh, yeah. It's for the YouTube channel I've got. Yeah. West Side Dick Pics. Huh? I just kind of walk around <laughs> place to place. No, looking for guys named Richard. And I, and I post that in uh, streaming Twitch. <clears throat> so, yeah, you got to watch out for that. Other things recommended by people. Uh, interesting one from listener Mark that I looked at yesterday called Life Cycle. It's the same people that do Sleep Cycle, the sleep tracking app. Right, yeah. I, but it's very interesting. You go in and you, you open this app. <laughs> you should see the photo from that. I took a screenshot when, this, uh, when I started this thing up. Uh, you fire this thing up. And what it's going to do is it's going to give you these cool pie graphs about your life based on all the data that it can like cobble together. I open it up, I click it, and it says collecting data. 32, colon, 22, colon, 25. In 32 hours, it will be able to give me the data. In 32 hours? Yes. Yeah, life cycle is currently, this is as of yesterday afternoon, life cycle is uh, currently collecting data in the background. Come back on Wednesday to see the result. We will remind you on Wednesday. So that'll be fun. But again, you know, uh, there are others like this. Uh, listener Derek sent in a suggestion to check out something called Xenobase. This is in notes, Z-E-N-O-Base. Um, another interesting one I signed up for that's super interesting, but kind of interesting called gyroscope uh, where you can hook it up to things like your photo stuff, your, I mean, okay. So all these are interesting and some of them are pretty. 
they are still a little bit siloed and they're still not, given the amount of personal data they're sucking down, I'm not getting that much insight from any of these things so far is the concern. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's like having a new way to visualize how many steps I took is interesting, but I want somebody to do the heavy lifting of saying like, no, well, like these are the relationships that you never could have guessed about this stuff. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm looking for. And so understandably, a lot of these apps are, you know, apps that you could make that are about, you know, displaying data, but I'm still not getting that much insight. So that's where I am with that. Insight is the tricky part. I mean, it's when that's what a, an, I, I saw a tweet and I think it was to you or to both of us. Uh, someone was saying that he's tracked every aspect of his data for seven years and failed to make any, like there was, there was nothing that he was able to learn from it really? after tracking. Uh, but I mean, seven years ago, like how much could you really collect compared to what we have now and what could you do with it? But it, it's that that is the vital question in everything that we've been talking about for the last week or so. And it sounds like to me listening to to you go through this is it's one thing to get the data. There's a lot of ways to get the data. and, and But what what can really come out of it? Like what is the individual goal? And I think it's to track those things that are not obvious or help us see the things that are that 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 might be right in front of us that we're not making note of. And so I thought that you gave some really good examples of that, which is, you know, the nights that you didn't sleep as well, here's what you did the day before. Exactly, exactly. You know, or here's what you <laughs> ate the day before on that day that you weren't feeling so hot. Like all of those things are very hard to really try and pinpoint. And it, it's funny, uh, I forget where I was. This is like a week or so ago. And I realized that I was, I had a couple of appointments that I had to go to and I wasn't going to have time for lunch. And I was right by a, a bunch of these little, like, you know, you can go in and like grab a sandwich, grab a taco, that kind of thing. But, you know, I have like a weird diet that's not like what most people have. And I knew that there was nothing at these places for me. It's not possible for me to go and grab a convenience food. You right. know, like there's essentially nothing that I could eat at a subway, for example. So these are the places like, but I know a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, I stopped by at that place right there to grab uh, some lunch. Oh, what'd you get? Ah, oh, they had sandwiches. I had one of those. What was it? Ah, oh, you know, it was, it was some bread, it was some meat on there. It was fine. Like they're not thinking was it gluten-free bread? Was it the right kind of this? Was it that? Did it have dairy? Whatever. They're not thinking about that kind of thing. They're just, I consumed food. Food was available. I paid $5 and I had a thing which I ate and now I'm not full. Now I'm full and I'm not hungry anymore. For For me or people who don't just eat whatever, like that's a challenge. You have to, you're always kind of struggling with that of like, well, I can't just eat that thing because I don't know what that thing is. Whereas yeah, I remember I was in Costco and I saw a family eating the Costco pizza and hot dogs and other things like that. And like, I, I've been so long in this world of like, well, okay, like hot dog, what kind of hot dog is it? Is, is it all beef? Is it kosher? Is it not kosher? Is it what kind of sodium in it? Does it have nitrites? You know, like, that's the weird place that my mind is in with everything. The idea of just like, I just ate a hot dog from a store I was in because I yeah, felt hungry of, at that it's moment. Made of hot dog things. Right. <laughs> at that moment, I was hungry. They had hot dogs, so I ate one. You know, yeah, I'm, I miss that world of being in that world. But like, you know, being being able to track 
that kind of thing. What my point is, so many people are in that state where they're not really thinking that much about. And I'm not saying you're this way. I'm saying there's so many people, and and for a long time, I would definitely have fit in into this category of you're not really thinking about those things. You're not really paying attention to those things, and. Getting some insight into that seems obvious, but there's much more subtle detail to that. You know, how much water did you drink in a day? Does that affect how you sleep at night? And for the people who are like 23, they're like, no, no, this matters. Like, yes, it doesn't, but it it, it will in 15 more years from now. And, and you'll want to know, like, you know what? Why was my workout so good on Wednesday? Mm-hmm. What was different? What happened on Wednesday that made it so awesome and it sucked so bad on Monday? Was it because I didn't sleep well? Was it something I ate? Is I not consume enough water? Was it the stress of the day? Like that's the heavy lifting that that I'm interested in. Yeah, and being able to say something like, well, you might have forgotten, but you had a stressful call with your father right. on Sunday and you binge watched season two of Kimmy Schmidt in one <laughs> night. Yeah. Also, according to the cabinet, you're out of vodka. Right. Or whatever. You right. know what I mean? But I, I, I'm also trying to figure out, like, how do I, I, you know, in the past, I've been the sort of person who invents these Frankenstein monsters for no particular reason about, like, I wanted to do this and I wanted to do that. And I'm trying to really figure it out, like, what it is that I actually want that I can't get on my own from this. And there's really not that much I can't get on my own. I've got common sense nominally. I should be able to figure these kinds of things out. And I, there's, so there's this part of me that wants it to confirm what I've been guessing. Yeah. But what I'm trying to get as the product, again, the promise of big data, um, something they talked about again on Freakonomics. So the kinds of things of looking at really surprising, um, the ultimate kind of turns out thing, like very, very surprising things. If you go back and look at people who did these kinds of things, had this kind of behavior that end up in the aggregate being unique. Like people who do this kind of thing also do this kind of thing. And, that's where I, I feel like that should be something I can do on myself where even without comparing me to other people, cause I'm not that interested in that for this particular project, but just to be able to just be able to say from like, and, and maybe I could hint it, maybe I could give a little help and say, I'm most, most interested in things that I can do to take more steps per day for a reason to be incentivized as they say, to take more steps. So find errands for me to do, but also I'd like to sleep better at night. I'm not that worried about food, not, not as much as Dan, but like food could be a thing, but for now don't worry about every data set in the world start focusing on these two or three things and then if you notice patterns over time because again if you've got a year of data on this shouldn't there be something that becomes obvious you gain weight every december aha i think i know why right it's the holidays like even if it's that dumb that's okay and i can tell you whether that was useful or not i can tell you whether it's on track or not but i think that's what we're all looking for um yeah you know it's 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 strange it's just all these things were like one of the funny things about like a vacation or a trip is you notice how stable or unstable a given thing is. Like in our case, we go, God, kitchens are so much nicer everywhere else we go. We should have a nicer kitchen. You don't think about it until you go somewhere else. Or in my case, like, my God, I like my bed so much more than other beds. I don't realize what a stability that is in my life. Right. So I'm looking for more things that don't require me to take a trip to have some context for these things. Did I tell you I got a dehumidifier? A dehumidifier? <clears throat> yeah, it's been an interesting project. Kind of my new hobby, running the dehumidifier. I, it, how humid is it? What's the point of the dehumidifier? Well, San Francisco is very humid. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's outside. It's not unusual. I mean, fog is humidity. It's, sure. You know what I mean? Humidity is not rain. Humidity is fog. So like, it's not unusual to have 80% humidity outside. Even if it's cool, it's still sticky. But um, Are you, Is this yeah. for your photo development uh, preservation efforts? 
everything's about my photo development preservation efforts. Yeah. That's everything. That's my focus, my single-minded focus, <laughs> as my Fitbit can tell you. <clears throat> no, it's been very interesting, though, to go put it in the bathroom, like after we've taken showers where it's 60 plus percent humidity. I run that thing. An hour later, it's down to 39% humidity and all of our towels are dry. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, we, we had to get some of those when we had uh, the hurricane in Florida. Gosh, it must have been six, seven years ago. Oh, you got to get on that wetness quick. Yeah, because we had, we had a problem where there was so much rain. Uh, this is one of these bizarre things that A, would only happen in Florida and B, it, t- it is exactly typical of everything about Florida. Is that we lived in a you know a new a new home that it was not a custom home but it was like you know newly built and we'd been in it for a couple of years and a hurricane came through and I think by the time it made it to us it was a tropical storm but it was one that just dumped a lot of rain combined with a lot of high winds and we noticed that there was water leaking in at the base of the floor where all the you know like I guess where the walls met met the floor essentially um and we we couldn't figure out where the water was coming from like it was raining outside but it wasn't flooding so there was no reason that we could see why the water would be coming into the house so uh, of course you know it ruined the carpets we had to like pull up the carpets and like have them half up and and drying and uh long story short we wound up having to rent their large dehumidifiers from one of these like emergency companies but we wound up getting one or two of our own to run longer term to continue to pull mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's amazing how it much makes such a difference it really does and it would fill up these you know there were these like little plastic canisters inside that would be empty yeah. and then in an hour or two you'd pull it out and it'd be full of water we got a wow we got a, we have a 70 pint one so it pulls up it's it's rate, rated or guesstimated to do up to 70 pints it'll fill a 70 pint bucket that's in there and we've had it fill up in depending on what room it's in in maybe 12 hours that's but you're crazy. right in a place like that's the thing well uh, i want to tell i want to tell you the mystery of how the water got in or should we leave that should we let no, people no, wonder and have them have them oh well, we also have to get to your uh to your twist well tell me how the, how, the, how the water got in so in typical florida construction they the paint first of all the paint that they had used the exterior paint on the house and these are stucco houses but they were faux as usual faux stucco houses so it's real stucco apparently is a certain kind of material that's done in a meticulous art artisanal mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. the way they would do it there is it's essentially just sort of like a concrete of some kind that they that they put on and and make and then look they use like a, real they use stucco. the big the big uh Flatty thing to yeah. make spirals on it. Yeah. So this is what they would put on the outside of all the houses in the neighborhood. And pseudo stucco. Pseudo stucco. Stucudo. Stucudo. Susudio. Susudio. So they would put I this. I say the word, the susudio. <laughs> so they put this on the outside of the house. And then the paint that they used, they had thinned down to stretch it longer, you know. And instead of doing what should have been three coats, they did maybe, maybe two, probably one That's with, no good, boss. with the thinned out uh, paint. So they, uh, what happened was the outside exterior was somewhat like a sponge. And as the rain, excessive rain with combined with some wind over extended period of time, several days, was enough for the actual exterior wall to absorb the water and release it 
where there was less humidity, which was inside of our house. So it was essentially like a sponge that was wet on one side, leaking water into the other side. And we had to get our house repainted after that to prevent it from happening. And the next time uh, it didn't happen and our neighbors who did not repaint, it happened to them again. So there you go. Something John Syracuse said has said on several episodes of Reconcilable Differences. What did he say that the greatest enemy of the homeowner is is um, moisture? Moisture will get you along with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some truth to that. Okay. I don't want to do the twist. Let's save it. Save it for next week. Uh huh. But it makes sense to do it this week. Are you sure? Uh, well, oh God, we're running a little long. Yeah. Okay. Say, um, I mean, it's a, you know, it'll get bring the listeners back. Bring them back. Bring them back. Uh, oh, you know the other app that I'm loving, Masquerade, M-S-Q-R-D. Have you gotten this yet? I don't so know what You're probably that. on Snapchat and stuff like that, so uh, you have I'm all these. Not interested. I tried to get it. It was totally perplexing. And then David, uh, David Friedman suggested this app called Masquerade that you must show your children. And it's one of those uh, AR apps where you, do, you point at yourself, take a selfie, and you can have a Batman helmet. Uh, you can do face swaps with it. It is so freaking fun. Oh, my I, gosh. Look at that. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll Weird. point you. Well, let me point you to a couple of very special ones I made uh, over the weekend. I'd like to share with you. All right. Um, clicking. I'm on Twitter. Yeah, I did some very, I did some very special things here. My daughter is loving this. She took in her iPod Touch uh, yesterday for, um, for show and tell at school, and copy, 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 copy. Uh, this is, God, I'm that monkey face people. is disturbing as heck. Oh, it's great! It looks real, and it's and it's and it's, the thing is, it's, you can do video or um, or or camera with it. Oh, this is my masterwork. Can you see that? Can you click that? Which one? Where are you? Oh, are I you said it. Here? Would you rather have it in text? No, that's fine. Clicking. I clicked it. Safari is opening. It's opening. Yeah, I know. I saw that one. I don't. Did, did uh, you see my old lady one? I did one where I swapped with a painting. It's super creepy. And then my old, my old lady one is pretty amazing. My daughter's, we, uh, I, you can see I face swapped with a, with a doll of joy from the movie Inside Out. That's pretty creepy. Anyway, it's really fun. Uh, yeah, the old, she was, uh, that's she was old. A big, she was a big hit at uh, school yesterday with Masquerade. Just with this one app. Yeah, well, it's cute. She went up to you know, the show and tell. You go up and you talk about uh, your stuff. It went nice. really well. Um... She mostly uses it to listen to Shakira on headphones. <laughs> like like most people. Yeah. She has, so she'll pick like, you know, she's a kid. She picks one song that she really likes and listens to it over and over. Shakira, Shakira. Oh, that one. No, that's mine. Oh. That, I like that one. That's she likes one. one called uh, Shaka Shaka Hey or something like that. Uh, so I think it's called Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stomp rock song. Uh, yeah. Is it hey, hey, waka waka, hey, 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 you? No, she has a lot of songs with hey in it. I'll find out. I'll find out. Hey, so anyway, you're going to tell us the twist next week, huh? Yeah, I want to do it until uh, next week. On the hook, as they say. Yeah. Okay, excellent. All right, well, uh, let's button this up. I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man. <laughs>